All right, everybody, welcome back in to Mining Stock Daily, wrapping up our Thursday with the one and only Rob Sin, CEO Technician. This is going to be our last uh, market analysis kind of update of the week before we get it. Guess who I, guess who I got in the long form tomorrow, Rob? I know. Uh, it's Mr. Great Bear. Yeah, Chris Taylor. I, I just recorded it. And I'm going to tell you, good job. It's awesome. Yeah, he's a it's awesome. Yeah, he's a great he's a great guy to talk to. Yeah, uh, so I'm really looking forward to airing that. But I'm looking forward to this conversation as well because uh, we were like, we had a couple bullet points we put together before we press record. Uh, but I do want to talk to you about gold here. We had uh, PC data come in this morning, and it's almost like an everything rally almost. <clears throat> Excuse me, including gold got up to uh, two thousand. $57 front month's futures basis. So a uh, nice little buildup in gold, but it's still kind of sitting in this pennant formation you've highlighted in your morning note. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Trevor. Um, yeah, gold is forming this pennant uh, on the weekly time frame, And it's a very notable and prominent pennant. And it's been forming it basically since that uh, jump uh, that spike up to 2150 at the end of last year. It's been in this sort of pennant. And and I like to call it a coil because when you think about it, it's like a tightening coil. The range is narrowing as the coil gets tighter. And it's tightening around this 2050 announced level. And so we're sitting just above it, um, which is a constructive technical pattern when a, a pennant forms in the context of an uptrend like gold has been in since uh, last October, uh, it's called a bull pennant. And that doesn't mean the pattern tells you what the future is going to hold, but you know, usually odds favor an upside resolution. Now, what are the odds? 60, 40, 65, 35. It's hard to put a number on it exactly, uh, but gold is forming a bull pennant right now. Yeah, uh, you kind of wonder what that next move out of that pennant would be based on something technical or fundamental. Uh, we are uh, there's still speculation that there might be some rate cuts here this spring. Here, Rob, I am not one of those people. Quite frankly, I, uh, my unless something is absolutely broken, I honestly don't see a rate cut happening. Maybe at all this year. Sorry. Wow, that that's quite a call. Um, Look, I, I've been wrong. Uh, the one thing I definitely have been wrong about in 2024 is Fed rate cut calls. Uh, I, at the beginning of the year, I really thought March was a good shot at a rate cut. Clearly, that's not going to happen. And I'm glad I don't trade off of my Fed uh, <laughs> prognostications because they've been pretty bad the last year. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of the Fed speakers are saying yeah, three rate cuts, we'll start to cut rates later in the year, but they're not putting an exact time frame on it. So it could be June, it could be September. It's hard. It's really hard to, to guess right now. But the fact of the matter is, if we're just talking about gold, gold is holding up and trading really constructively, even without a, a rate cut, you know? So a lot of gold bugs are focused on, well, you know, the gold's going to, break out when the Fed cuts rates. I'm not sure that has to happen. I mean, uh, yeah, it's possible that, that that could be how it goes, or maybe gold is just going to go up 
and it doesn't need the Fed to cut, you know, right now. It's, it's really it's really hard to say. I will say along that topic this morning, uh, Pantheon Macro put out a really interesting chart on worn uh, notices. So this is basically uh, a leading indicator for jobless claims. Mm -hmm. And if this forecast, this, this data they put together, the correlation sticks like it has for the last few years, we're going to see an uptick in jobless claims over the next several months. Uh, and it's going to be significant. Like jobless claims, the, the weekly claims are coming in at about 210,000 lately. Well, they think that by April, that's going to be closer to 280,000. So if they're right on that, then I think the Fed is going to be probably cutting in June. But we'll see. Mm. You don't think the Fed has to cut this year. I'm going to I'm going to say they're going to cut three or four times still. But caveat, I've been wrong. So I I think that those those unemployment numbers are going to be important. I don't think it's as important as the inflationary data. And we saw the last numbers, the, the last numbers come in hotter. And mm. listen, history, when we talk about the last inflationary cycle, 60s and 70s, it obviously wasn't just a straight shot. It had ebbs and flows to it. So uh, I'm not, I, I'm looking at agriculture here and I've shared that DBA chart a couple of times on my Twitter feed, Rob. Uh, it's getting rejected, some pretty stiff resistance right now. But if you just look at agriculture and obviously food, inflation ain't dead. So it's it's still no, You're right. And there's a lot of evidence that inflation is probably going to be sticky around 3%. So it'll, it would be really interesting to see what happens if the labor market data does uh, weaken significantly in the next couple of months while that CPI stays sticky at or above 3%. What does the Fed do then during an election year? It's tricky. Right, right. Uh, let's talk about uh, resources and some junior mining. You uh, attended a little bit of the BMO conference this week. Uh, I've heard mixed uh, mixed reviews regarding sentiment here. Um, so just, you know, let's pick your brain here. What did you, what'd you notice? The attendance there was very good. Good. Um, but I'll just say the sentiment is pretty dismal. Um, you know, I mean, this is like an industry conference with, you know, industry people who make their living in the mining industry. And there's not a whole lot of optimism out there, especially in the gold sector. Uh, it's, it's tough, man. It's really <laughs> tough right now. I mean, I, I, it feels like this is like the, the, you know, end of days here in, in the gold mining sector. I mean, it's just, it's really tough. It's really, really uh, challenging. And if you're a company that has to raise money yeah. right now, man, it's, it's 10 times harder because just not a whole lot of, uh, you know, investors wanting to open their checkbooks right now because they've been losing money, um, so far in 2024 and, and for the last couple of years, you know, they've been, they've been losing money. And if we look at some, like, so some of the big mining companies were at this conference. So the CEO of, you know, Newmont mining spoke and he gave it his best pitch. He acted, you know, as the CEO should, he, he said that you should buy his stock, 
But Newmont has disappointed quarter after quarter after quarter. And again, they did it just a couple weeks ago. They disappointed again. Um, and this is just a massive gold mining company that needs to cut costs. It needs to right size its operations. It needs to divest a bunch of non-core assets. And they and they said that okay, you know, we're gonna sell six or seven of our non-core assets. Well, okay, so who's the buyer yeah. for those assets? The coffee, you know, deposit, you know, in the Yukon. It's it's gonna be interesting to see how this all plays out, but it it feels like the sector is shrinking a bit right now. Right. And there is it, those assets that they're divesting in is all over the place from you know, exploration development stage uh, coffee to Producing mines, Cripple Creek and Victor here in Colorado, Eleanor up in Muscle Colorado. White. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so it's all over the place. So my question, I guess my follow up question for Newmont would be like, why are these operating pro, uh, mines like not in your priority list right now? I guess they feel that those mines don't have the scale to be a tier one asset. And they're higher cost and they're trying to contain their overall cost per ounce of mm. gold produced. Um, and that just every single senior mining company, the trend since 2020 has been up. And even with diesel prices stabilizing in the last year and actually down ticking a bit, price of natural gas has cratered still the cost per ounce continues to climb higher. And that mostly has to do with labor, labor costs continue to move higher and the mining industry with a shortage of labor. I don't see, I mean, the best case costs stabilize in 2024, but I'm not even that optimistic that we'll see it stabilize. I think we're going to continue to see this, this uh, cost curve higher. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, <laughs> you and I were like, the other thing we're going to talk about is, oh man, it was one of my favorite charts because it is just so ugly. And that's the TSX Venture Composite chart. <laughs> I actually talked to Chris Taylor about this chart, actually, just last hour. Uh, but uh, you are, I guess, so optimistic that you think this thing is bottomed. TSX Venture Composite. So I, I look at this chart twice a year, like I'm not even exaggerating, like twice a year. I, I don't use it for hardly anything, but I pulled it up yesterday. Mm -hmm. I said, oh, this looks pretty decent. It looks better than a lot of the gold miner charts. Um, so yeah, the TSX V Composite daily time frame. it looks like it bottomed in November, 2023. It, it rallied a little bit at year-end 2023, and it's been consolidating so far for most of 2024. Now, obviously, this is not a pure proxy for the junior mining sector, but it's not a bad one. Uh, it could definitely be worse. Um, and it's forming like a cup and handle on the daily chart, and it's, it has not confirmed the breakout from the handle, but it looks pretty good. And if it does break out, let's say above some 570 on the composite, 
uh, it would project to another, I don't know, 10% or more of upside. So I don't know. I mean, look, I'm trying to find something to be positive about in this dismal uh, backdrop we have right now where I feel like everybody just wants to slip their wrists, you know? So look at the TSXV composite chart. I, I, I hear you and I appreciate the optimism, but let's also put into a little bit of context that, you know, the run up after COVID when gold was making those new all time highs and there was a lot more liquidity into the venture, that thing was double to where we're at now. So, and then before that, you could also make the argument that in the previous, the, the, the fervor of 2011, it was, it was five times the size of where it is now. Oh, it's a terrible tracking index. And, and you would definitely not want to have a, you know, retirement portfolio just sitting in the TSXV composite <laughs> index. Oh. But I would love... To have another run like April, August 2020 again. Okay. So yeah. just for a trade, just for a little trade, let's have a rocket ship for a few months. <laughs> we'll take anything we can get. A rocket ship. I mean, for... at this point, really. <laughs> uh, all right. Rob, what else are you seeing out there? What's kind of got your attention that, uh, you know, you're letting your subscribers to know about? Um. I'm speaking virtually at Metals Investor Forum tomorrow morning in Toronto. So, so show up to the Delta Hotel if you're in Toronto to tune in to the webcast. Um, I'm going to talk about three companies in this presentation. I'll give you a little bit of a preview of one of them. I think it's a, uh, this company is a sponsor of your podcast, Fireweed Metals. Uh, I met with Brandon, the CEO, last week. I took a deeper dive into Fireweed. I mean, obviously, I've been I've been aware of the company since its inception, but I didn't really pay as much attention to the Mac Tung project mm -hmm. uh, as I should have until now. And so I started learning a lot more about tungsten and why it's very likely we could be facing a major shortage of tungsten in the West because China dominates like almost 90% of the global tungsten market. Who knows what's going to happen with China over the coming years? Clearly, uh, it seems like they're not so friendly to the U.S. Uh, and, and to the West, more generally speaking. Um, and so Mac Tung is just an incredible tungsten deposit in the Northwest Territories. It's actually adjacent to Mac Pass, which is Fireweed's flagship zinc, lead, silver deposit. Um, Mac Pass is great, and we're going to get a resource update uh, on Mac Pass in Q2. But Mac Tung, I think, has really flown under the radar. Most investors haven't really uh, thought much about it. They haven't understood why this is such an important asset. And it's, yeah. it's basically the largest high-grade tungsten deposit um, out there. And it's got, it's got copper kind of grades, like a copper you know, you know, like a, a porphyry copper deposit kind of grades, 0.75%, 0.8% average tungsten grade. But tungsten is, you know, I don't know, $15, $20 a pound on average over the last several years. 
so tungsten is a much more valuable metal. So this is a you know a strategic asset that fireweed has. This could be very important for North America over the coming years and maybe even the coming decades. So fireweed is one of the the companies that I I talk my book about, mm-hmm. and, and I really like it here. Uh, you know down near a dollar 99 cents a share, you know, where it's been trading this week. I, I think it's been unjustly sold off here with this dreadful sector that we've had so far in 2024. So I think from a, you know, risk standpoint versus the potential upside where, you know, you could catch a double and a fire wheat over a 12 month time horizon, especially with the kind of catalyst this company has lined up yeah. in 2024. So, Talk in my book, Fireweed Metals. Okay. Yeah. I'm also a shareholder and you're right. They are sponsored the podcast the last couple of years. And I, I also agree with you. I don't think Mac Tung is uh, being valued into their market cap as strongly as it probably should be. And in fact, a couple of presentations that I've done for people that are unfamiliar with resource investing in metals and mining, I have said, uh, I, Mac Tung is... It, it 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 is that it, it, it's it's something that's of strategic importance to Western governments right now. Military importance. Yep. I mean, so they use tungsten in armor-piercing rounds, like you know, t- uh, tank ammunition. Very very important. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Rob, good to see you. Good to see you too. Thanks for yeah. having me on. Yeah, good luck tomorrow uh, doing your virtual presentation at MIF, and uh, we'll miss you. We'll miss you in Toronto. The weather is too good down here for me. I, <laughs> I heard it's warmer in Toronto than most years, but uh, yeah, yeah, I uh, totally understand. It's, it's global warming. Yeah, that's right. All right, everybody. Uh, that's a wrap here on uh, the regular schedule programming this week. And we've got Chris Taylor tomorrow on the long form. And uh, hopefully you'll see everybody as we can uh, up at the BDAC in Toronto starting on Sunday. So be well. Thanks, Rob. See you soon. Thanks. The information presented should not be considered investment advice. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein. Please do your own research or speak with a licensed financial representative before making any investment decisions.